What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Welcome back to the Woven Energy Podcast on Real Practical Shamanism with me, Joseph Saikora, and as always, Damon Smith. We're here to talk about shamanism from the ground up. So we're going to get back into the beaten bones of shamanic technique, uh, specifically looking at stage four, and we are now on to our fifth energy change. So it's quite funny, Damon. We were looking at this before the episode, weren't we? And um, we came to the uh, realization we've done nine episodes so far. So I think this is number this is number ten in our stage four series. And yeah. I thought, oh wow, we've done nine energy changes no, out we of haven't. the sixty four that there are. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, we've done four of them so far. Um, so which, which which of the four we've covered so far? We've done. Um, so reel them off. We've got yeah. So to start off with, we did the first two which are the ones that generally generally come first. Um, so we had yield and persist, right? Or persist and yield, yep. depending on um, which which way around you want to uh, list them. I think in the traditional book, it's persist first and then yield. I could be wrong. No, in, I think that's right. Yeah. And, and then the, the most recent one we did grow. That's the one I remember from... Um, from episode 65, I think. And then before that, yes. it would be its partner in crime await. So, right. so yeah, those are the two. Uh, for yeah. All together that we've done. Yeah. And just to point out, these we're not doing them in the traditional order of the uh, the 64 hexagrams, but we're doing them in Damon's practical order. We of, most assuredly um, most aren't relevant. doing them in the Confucian order, that's for sure. <laughs> we're not <laughs> renowned uh, for our Confucianism around here. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to dive into, um, what was the one we're going to dive into? Prepare, which is number yeah. 16. Um, in the traditional order, yeah. In the traditional 64 hexagram model, um, or we can call it prepare, is our fifth energy change. Um, but yeah. before we launch into that, we've got a few patrons to thank. So Damon, do you want to take that away? So first of all, we have all of our patrons to thank. It's a little while since we've done a, a Woven Energy episode. Um, I did do that monologue uh, on Shamanic Reiki a little while ago. So I'm not, if, apologies if I thank you twice, but probably you're not too bothered if I thank you twice. <laughs> so, and also apologies if I don't thank you at all, because all of our patrons, all 62 of our patrons are definitely deserving of that. Uh, you guys are totally awesome. But just starting from some relative, and you know why I'm thanking you, I'm not going to waste time um, explaining why I'm thanking people either. But let's go f- through um, Erica Kessel, Graham. Lance, uh, Bruce Panula, Daniel Mann. Uh, we got uh, David H. Recently renewed his long-standing support for us. Thanks ever so much. And uh, Jackie Kingsnorth. Those are the people who need thanking the most recently. That's probably the best way to put it. But as yeah. I've said many times, this thing definitely for sure 100% wouldn't be happening if it wasn't for the patrons. So, you know, you guys have kept this going. You've kept it moving forward. And... We now have a, thanks to you guys, we now have a substantial body of uh, material out there uh, and growing all the time. So, so you know, 
I, I can't say thank you enough to the patrons. No, me too. Absolutely brilliant. Thank you so much. Um, okay, should we launch into it, Damon? So we've got... Yeah, so as we said, prepare is, one of the, prepare is one of the changes. So if you think about the um, persist and yield, they are very, very fundamental changes. In some ways, they are major aspects of what people would call yin and yang in the, in the universe. Um, and so without those, it's almost like those two changes, nothing happens in the universe without those two changes. Just like nothing happens. So they are constants at all times. In terms of a shaman's development, the, the await and grow changes that we talked about on previous episodes, the other two we've talked about, are really, really important in terms of a shaman's development. And they are kind of provide the foundation of moving towards nature, of a, of a person that takes the decision that they want to move towards nature, which is effectively, you know, we've said like a shaman's like the mechanic of nature, the person who knows what goes on underneath the hood or the bonnet depending on whether you're US or UK English, um, the, the shaman is the person who wants to know that about nature. And having taken and the, that... The animist just drives the car, right? The animist just drives the car, correct. Good analogy. So those two things are really vital in supporting that ongoing process of growth as a shaman. This change, prepare, falls out of grow quite often. It's a... It's an important change in terms of, it, it sounds like you sort of, so imagine that shamanism is like going up, becoming a shaman is like going on a journey. It sounds like you're preparing everything up front and then setting out on your journey to become a shamanism, but that's really not what preparation is. Or prepare is in, in the sense of this change falling out of grow. With the grow change, go, refer you back to the previous episode so we don't waste this one, but you're already on that journey. But out of the growth comes knowledge and understanding and, and intuition. And you know what I mean by understanding in shamanism? I mean understanding on the baseline, midline, and topline, all acting together as one. The upper world, the middle world, and the, the lower world all acting together as one entity um, within you. Logical, physical, and emotional in a very mm, simplistic way. In a slightly oversimplistic way, yeah. That's a, <laughs> that's a bit too simplistic for me. Uh yeah, let's say let's say the uh, strategic or logical realm. I'm okay with that for the baseline. Let's say the physical uh, realm uh, for the midline, and let's say the spiritual line for the top line, um, mm. which can include emotional aspects, but far from all there is to it. That's probably the best way to put it. So there is a kind of learning that falls out of shamanic practice. You, you start practicing shamanic technique and there's a kind of learning that falls out of that. And your preparation, the preparation that people make when it's under their own power, when it's under their own efforts is often misguided. And this is one of the big mistakes that a lot of shamans make in their progress. They figure out what they need to do in order to become a shaman. You can't do that under your own power, as a, at least as a member of a, you know, miasmatic, settled, civilized society with all of the miasmatic brainwashing and stuff that goes on in our society. If you set out to prepare in that way, you are setting out, uh, setting yourself up for failure. So 
the way that preparation comes about is through the experience, through your experience of shamanic technique. You Can I just stop you? Would that yeah. be because if we prepare before the fact, if we'd like to think of everything that could, it's like, it's like if you, if you plan everything to the nth degree, usually 80% of that stuff you plan just doesn't come to fruition when you actually put it into effect. Exactly. Exactly. So you can sit there and, and plan all you want, that. but you need to it's, you need to adapt and flow, right? Yeah. Uh, in so, say in business, as you know, this is my day job in business and organizations. You often hear in, in organizations that aren't very, shall we say, aren't very adaptive in their outlook on life, you often hear it failed, it being whatever it is a project or some service or product or whatever it is, it failed because our planning wasn't good enough. I hear that all the time. I heard that in lots of different government departments, organizations, regulated industries. Um, I hear that a lot. And nobody ever stops to think and say the opposite. Did it fail because our planning was too good? Because we did too much planning? Too rigid. Uh, Because, yeah, we, we set ourselves up for failure by thinking arrogantly that we knew everything at the start and we could figure it all out at the start, which is a kind of arrogance. I thought of another right? analogy, Dermon. I'm quite yeah. proud of this one. It's like a bridge, isn't it? If you build a bridge too rigid, um, it collapses. Exactly. But you've got, to, you've got to build in that flexibility into a bridge so that it can withstand exactly. all the different pressures. Yeah. Exactly. And and the way that it learns, if you like, if you imagine you're the bridge, as a build, the bridge you're building is you as a shaman. The best place to learn from is the wind, right? Or if you're in a country like that, from the earthquakes, you experience what happens to yourself in your shamanic technique. And then based on that feedback that nature is giving you, you grow, that's one thing, but you then use that feedback that's come to you from nature because you're practicing shamanic technique, right? So you've put yourself in a position where you are forcing yourself to learn from nature directly without human beings interposing themselves, human beings' ideas interposing themselves upon you. It's not just growth that you're going to gain out of that. There's not just the growth of yourself as a shaman is not just going to happen out of that. You're also getting pointers. You're getting what shows that Nakayama, that's um, uh, one of the, the next generations of the, the shamaness, Miki's family, what he called guideposts. A guidepost is not something that you create. It's something that you come upon as you proceed with your shamanic technique. And this is one of the things that I do a lot in terms of, I mean, for instance, uh, shout out to Emily and Rambi, our, our patrons that I went out on the moors with recently for a fun day of, um, and exciting day of shamanic rambling. Uh, it was it was uh, really good fun that day. Thanks ever so much, guys. Uh, and we ended up, you know, uh, wading through bogs and all kinds of stuff like this. You know, it was, a, it was absolutely brilliant. Uh, all I'm, curi- that, I'm know, curious finding, what shamanic rambling is now. Find, well, <laughs> it's, it's so um, that's what I'm going to explain. This is what prepare is. You, those are the things you learn from. So so if I was going out for a hike, I mean, I, as, as people know, I live on Bodmin Moor. And Bodmin Moor is a wonderful place to go rambling, to go for a walk. But the opposite of a shamanic rambling would be what most people call a hike. I'm going to see where the paths go. I'm going to plan out my route. I'm going to take enough food and provisions and stuff because you can walk for quite a long time over Bodmin Moor. 
I might even take a tent or whatever. All this kind of human preparation for that kind of thing. And I get a map out and I plan where I'm going to go and which landmarks I'm going to visit and all that kind of stuff. Now, shamanic rambling is something I do an awful lot. And basically, you do the exact opposite of that. You go out. That's it. You have no idea where you're going to go. And even when you're out there on the moor or wherever you're up in the mountains or the trees or whatever, you still don't decide where you're going to go. You let the environment nudge you in different directions. So whatever's happening as you're moving along, there's some obstacles or stuff like that. You just find a way around them or through them as we were doing on our, you know, pushing our way through deep deep and thick vegetation rather than taking the trodden path. It's all about this, you know, where places, people go walking a lot up on Bodmin Moor, there's obviously trodden paths where everybody goes. So part of the shamanic technique is, well, they're not going on those things. <laughs> That's the last place we want to go. Yeah. I mean, my baseline is kicking in a little bit here, Damon. Uh, yeah. But I, I get it. Uh, but at the same time, you need... My baseline would say you need some framework in which to go for a, yeah, yeah, a shamanic so, so ramble. Just... Otherwise, otherwise, you might end up in a place where, you know, you may die. Um, uh, which is exactly where I ended up on our shamanic ramble. Uh, there, there was a... <laughs> slight chance of death um, right. with these bogs that can be very, very deep. Uh, and But, you know, this is this is the point with shamanism, and I'm not encouraging anybody else to do it. I'm just saying for myself, this is the way that I prepare, in inverted commas, for shamanic technique. It's not me doing the preparing, right? If you think of the, the two trigrams in... So let's so the prepare hexagram. I should have mentioned this number sixteen. If you're looking it up in the traditional book of changes, it's a yin baseline, a yin midline, and a yin top line in the microcosm. Right. So what does that say to you? That says I am entirely an empty vessel. I am the virtual at, at the point when I'm doing practicing prepare within my shamanic technique. I am a blank canvas, an empty vessel. I have no desire for what's coming next, so no thought for what's coming past. Got in the past, I am entirely hanging within the moment. I'm a blank canvas for nature to write upon me. And so in the macrocosm, we have that yang baseline. The thing that's providing the strategy actively providing the strategy in my, for instance, in my shamanic rambling, or myself and our, our patron shamanic ramblings, is the baseline of the upper trigram. It's that yang strategy. Nature, the environment, is providing the impetus. But the physically speaking, the, there's no change in the environment. The environment is as it is. And in the spiritual sense, there's no change with the environment. The, the environment is as it is. Um, it, it's just very simply nature directly giving me impetus as a blank canvas in a deep state of chelicity. It, if you haven't tried it, I mean, it, okay, it's dangerous. There are, um, for instance, there are a lot of disused mine shafts on Bodmin Road, just as it's uh, you know, that's its um, that's its long history. It's why it's a World Heritage Site. One of the reasons why it's a World Heritage Site. I mean, we're talking about going back to the Romans and stuff, you know. Yeah. And so, or even before the Romans. So, 
the, in that particular technique, which I, if you want to call it, it's a very, very broad portfolio of techniques. And obviously I'm not just rambling aimlessly when I'm by myself. I'm also practicing stopping, finding groves, practicing other shamanic techniques as part of the experience. But I'm out just like allowing nature to guide me. That's what I'm looking at. I'm looking for Shozen Nakayama's uh, guideposts within nature. And then I'm unquestioningly following them. And so you try going in a direction and it becomes very, very difficult, but you proceed to the point where when past way past that's where I, what people would civilized people would call a sane person would give up and go back and find an easier path. You provide you instead you proceed in whatever direction nature has pushed you to the point where it's physically impossible to proceed. Then you adapt and you find another way through. And this is a bit like the same kind of attitude we talked about early on in our podcast. I mean, in the very early episodes where, you know, instead of saying those sort of team building exercises where you say, find a way to cross the stream, we mm. instead go out and find every single possible way there is to cross the stream. Well, if something is, that's just a stream, right? You think of something the size of Bodmin Moor, it's a massive land area. Um, with lots of varied types of terrain, um, some of which are admittedly dangerous, uh, and you just allow nature to find you lots and lots of different ways on different occasions of crossing that the stream that is Bodmin Moor. It doesn't have to be Bodmin Moor. There's a ton of but Bodmin Moor is wonderful. It's got all the stone circles and everything, all that kind of that kind of ancient Arthurian history to it, and all that kind of stuff, you know. But uh, wherever it is, it's wilderness, it's nature, it's not controlled entirely by human beings. And therefore, scattered, the way to think about it is this, scattered on Bodmin Moor, for me when I go out to do my shamanic rambling, are an infinite number of guideposts that nature has provided for me. I don't know where they are, I don't know what they are, but I will find them because there's so many of them. I mean, literally infinity of them are close to up there on the moor. As I'm moving along, I encounter a guidepost and I have to stay in a statuality and allow that guidepost, whatever it is, a tree in my way, uh, I'm up to my waist in a bog, I'm, you know, hanging, <laughs> hanging on a branch to stop me sinking up to my neck, all this kind of stuff. Those are all the experiences that you learn from in life or, you know, on a, teetering on the edge of a precipice uh, without, you know, hopefully without dropping. Um, but I'm not recommending this to anybody. All I'm saying is this is what I do personally. That's all I can talk about. And if you so are in a good state... So what would another example be? The, oh, well, we did talk about another example early on, didn't we? We, we talked about the wild run where you're in a forest. Oh, I was going to... Yes, you, yes, that's yes, what I had in mind. Absolutely. Yep. You're in a yeah. forest. Again, this is for me. This is not for anybody else. You, every shaman has to find their own way. And I'm sure there are far safer ways than this to practice these kind of techniques. And again, the great thing about shamanism, there are infinity techniques out there. But the key point with prepare is, where is the preparation coming from? Is it from me packing my backpack, getting a tent together, you know, getting a map out, a little compass, planning my route? Is that who's doing my preparation? Or think of it a different way. Think of it this way. Has nature actually already done my preparation for me? And I'm just going out there to find out what that preparation is. 
And Here's an example for you from yeah. a long, long time ago, mentioning uh, bogs and a hike and stuff or a walk. A long, long time ago, I used to go um, plenty of walks with my mum and she packed us a, uh, a lunch up and me just being the kid, which just went, yeah, fair enough. Mum's packed lunch, fine. But we got halfway through the walk and it was um, a box of raw courgette, tomatoes, mm-hmm. uh, literally no no carbs or protein or anything. It was just <laughs> it was just a box of nothing. And I got the I got the the shakes so bad because we, we it, this was like a, a proper I don't know about ten mile five five between five and ten mile walk that kind of thing. And we got halfway through, and I just went, "There's the car." And it was we were halfway through the walk, and we looked over a, a, a massive field. And at the time, didn't realize it was full of bogs. It was a it was a boggy field, but we just went right. Let's make one beeline straight for that direction. And mm-hmm. so we we started walking down, and yeah, we got completely hammered by the bogs, and it was very slow process, made everything worse. Um, but, but you say it, it made everything worse. It depends what situation you're in. If you don't have a goal, yeah, it can't make things worse. I mean, obviously, not dying is good, you know. But if you don't have a goal, <laughs> just... it can't make things good. <laughs> to me, that was the highlight. We went out for quite a few hours out on the moor, yeah. and, and that was the highlight of the day. Me nearly dying in a bog, not quite nearly dying. It's a bit of an exaggeration. <laughs> it was. That I was mean, the it best was fun thing. when you look back on it. And I had my Kit Kats. So I, mean, I got to New Agents. I got a Kit Kat. That was all right. Yeah. But, yeah, that was the first time I ever experienced, like, you know, when you just completely drained the, the shakes and everything, and you're like, oh, gosh, yeah. <laughs> what's happening to me? Um, but it was, so, it was... But I was going to ask you, at, at that point, adaption or, like, to me, there was no choice but to go in that direction through it. Even though we were halfway through it, there was no adaption. Yeah. It was like, we need to get to that car. We need to get across this field. And so, yeah. to me, that would be persist. Um, that would be persist, but it's not necessarily a very, I mean, it's not necessarily the healthiest thing for shamanic practice. I mean, you could do it. I mean, like, you know, the shamanic practice, you can learn all sorts of things from different aspects. But a much better thing is when you find yourself in that situation is is the adapt thing. It's the, mm. uh, it's the t- rather than you deciding how to get yourself out of this situation, allow nature to decide for you. And there were a bunch of, in this particular instance, there were a bunch of options. So I was hanging onto a tree to, like an overhanging branch of a tree to stop me sinking further. And there were a bunch of actions. I could withdraw. I could, I actually, I could ask one of my uh, patrons who, because I was in the front, I was in the bog and they weren't, uh, you know, because I was also carrying a bunch of stuff. So I, I was, I could hand it to them to make me a bit freer to move out. Mm. Um, but then when you really look at the surface of the land and the way that the land lays, you can, when you think, you know, like in the, those movies, you know, like the Tarzan movies or something, somebody falls in the middle of some quicksand and there's just like, it's all like even. You can tell that the the, the prop guys have poured a big thing of water and put some leaves on the top, you know, like I think to make it easier to think. The real world is just not like that. Within mm. a bog, for instance, there are parts of more density there are parts of less density. And if you're sensitive enough to the environment, and, and you know, my 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 strategy w- was to try to think about taking, I don't know what to think about, but to adapt to try a bunch of different things. But very, very quickly, I got the sense that there was, a, well, I don't know what you call it, a Klein, you know that word Klein, C-L-I-N-E, within the bog. Hmm. And there was a way of moving out of it 
that would gradually bring me to a stable kind of like a position. like, like a, a a natural yeah. maze type of structure. But the thing like that. that the thing that showed me that climb was the was the environment. It was nothing to do with me. It wasn't me being clever. It was just the environment just showed me that. And it's like you go you go from a sort of a miasmatic thinking. Oh no, nature, red in tooth and claw, has put me in a dangerous situation. To hey, isn't this fun? Um, isn't it? It's interesting, you know, kind of thing. Uh, and mm. there's a lot of stuff going on here. How can we play with the energy changes that are going on here, and and find ourselves, you know, a lovely and enjoyable, almost dancing spirit dancing out of the situation. Uh, which is almost you can say that's what I did. The spirit danced out of this bug. Um, yeah. uh, with, with following the guideposts, the preparation had been done for me. A way to, th- to think about it, a shamanic way to think about it, is all that preparation that was needed to get me out of there was done by nature before I ever arrived. Uh, thank you, nature. You know, that's, that's, I feel like a shamans all the time, you know. Thank you, Nature. Thank you, Nature. Thank I wonder you, if nature. a lot of it. I wonder if a lot of it is not panicking in the moment, and and mm-hmm. not panicking because you have that reliance and fit, you know, quote unquote, faith in nature, and the ability to, yeah, exactly, accept and also nature in the moment and go. And this you will where, show me the way out of this situation. Yeah, and this is where it fits in with grow when you've done stuff like that a lot of times before, many, many, many times, and not exactly that situation because it's always different. But you've done those sort of kind of shamanic experimentations so many times in your life, you're not going to panic because it's just it's really more of the same. It's not the same situation, but it's more of the same kind of thing. It's more shamanic learning, more shamanic practice, experimentation, adaptation. Yeah, mm. um, and it was really cool. It was a really cool day. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I hope the patrons who came with me also enjoyed it. Um, <laughs> that I didn't freak. I hope I didn't freak <laughs> you them did, out. You did. <laughs> Uh, but, but anyway, Let's put you in a life like, and death situation. <laughs> Shum- oh, no, they were behind me. They're, they're, they're all right. They're all right. They're behind me. They're yeah. fine. Um, but yeah, but it's it just so good. I, I've done that a million times, but it was nice to be with some people so they could see it. You know, it, when, usually when you're a shaman, you're all by yourself, aren't you? You do because shaman is a very, shaman is a, shamanic training is a very sultry thing. It was just lovely to share that experience with some people, especially your know, Wolf Energy patrons, the best kind of people to share it with. Um, it's uh, it was a wonderful day, anyway. I thoroughly enjoyed it, and um, yeah, we've well, got to do that again. Got to do that again. Uh, I mean, don't not exactly that because that would be a mistake, right? Because nature had already prepared that training for me. This is the baseline that in, in the macrocosm, the, the Yang baseline. So next time, but I don't know what nature's got prepared for me next. And this is the the way of understanding. Wait, so nice, I something like bombing more on the. Yeah, this change is all about. The macrocosm, yeah, and it's all about the strategy or, or preparation that the macrocosm has done for you. You are the microcosm, right? That that world out there, it's already prepared stuff for you. It's just there waiting for you to come across it, to stumble across those guideposts, and then you take it on board. And this is why prepare is so closely related to grow. Your growth is being handed to you as long as you you take note that the microcosm is yin 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 as long as you take careful note of that and you put yourself in that good state of chelicity then you can take huge advantage of the wonderful preparatory work that that your teacher nature has done for every lesson that you're going to get 
uh, the teacher comes into um, nature. When you're talking about nature as your teacher, the teacher comes prepared into every lesson, ready to deliver that lesson beautifully. And so this is the idea behind it. Now, what you told me once that you you did um, you were a biology lecturer? Did you did you lecture in biology? I can't remember. But you said something like you would uh, you were surprised you never got fired because you just turned up and just didn't have any kind of a plan at all. Um, I think you're, delivered, you're conflicting. Delivered your lectures. You're, uh, you're conf- I was a lecturer. Yeah, I was a lecturer, and I studied biology. Uh, but I wasn't actually right. lecturing in biology. I did a couple of lectures on, I've done a couple of lectures on subject biology, but the, the lectures you're talking about, I wasn't actually lecturing on biology, but you're right. Yeah, I did quite a lot of lectures like that. I actually was in a um, in a in a lecture for which I'd done no preparation. I was giving a lecture for which I'd done no preparation at all. And there was one of the standards people had come along to evaluate my lecturing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I got a glory, I got one of the best, evaluations I'd ever had <laughs> for that lecture for that it just so happened I'd done no preparation whatsoever. But you know that that sort of thing also is to do with knowing your stuff. Um some of the subjects that I talk about, for instance, the stuff we talk about on some of the stuff we talk about on heretics, some of the stuff we talk about on pigs and chickens, uh all that stuff around agile, I I know that stuff and you know that's uh, progressive working practices in the in the workplace. I know that stuff back to front and inside out. And, you know, I can give an impromptu lecture on that stuff with 30 seconds notice anywhere, anytime. And so actually somebody can give me the subject within that genre. And, you know, and I'll I'll talk for hours on it if people want me to. Usually they have to sort of, (laughs) whoever's organizing is usually pointing to their watch at the end, you know. Um, And so, oh, incidentally, we recently relaunched, myself and Graham recently relaunched the Pigs and Chickens podcast, so do do check it out. Oh, get yes. A chance if you're interested in business and stuff. I'm not sure it's that easy to find because we haven't done all the effort that we've done on the other podcasts to get it listed on Apple Podcasts and, you know, all Spreaker and all these sort of places. Um, but, but we well, will do on, that. It must be on Spreaker, but if we... Uh, it's definitely on Spreaker, yeah. yeah. It's just the Pigs and Chickens Agile podcast, that one. It's all about... It's basically shamanism in business, um, if you're interested in that kind of thing. And we recently, I, I, I originally launched it with a guy called Terry Child that I used to work with. Shout out to Terry if you're listening, mate. Um, and we'll we'll have Terry back on there. He was the original co-presenter. But now it's myself and Graham have picked it up because Graham's got a ton of business experience as well. So he's a good guy to do it. Uh, yeah. And we we are, yeah, doing planning to do quite a few more Pigs and Chickens episodes going forward. It's all, it's it, all part of the the big shamanic picture, isn't it? Yeah, um, exactly. I can't so, find it on Spotify, so if you guys yeah, want no, to go I, in and, that work I think it's just, a, it's just a click of a button. I so think there's only like the four off, I think there's only four or five episodes anyway, but there's going to be more. That's the point I'm making. Yeah. Um, so, so one of the things we should move on to is the the kind of inference words that is part of the whole Amabella um, movement that we talked about. We've got podcasts on Amabella if, if anybody was interested in what it is. But it was a period of time when Joe and myself and, and some other friends, Paul and, and various others, and my teacher, Kato Sensei, were talking about the use of language uh, to describe shamanic technique. And we came up with a bunch of English-sounding or English words that helped with understanding of, of shamanic kind of ideas collectively over a long period of time. Oh, it was years, wasn't it? Mm. And this this general project, or whatever you call it, we called that Armabella at one time. 
which means a beautiful weapon. And we uh, we came up with a bunch of what you might call, f- for the changes, we came up with a bunch of what you might call inference words. These are words that, because no, no one English word is ever going to describe one of these changes. The only thing that describes the change perfectly is the change itself. And the change here is that preparation that nature has done for you, the, 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 if you like, the guidepost that nature has stuck in the ground for you to come and stumble across and take notice of. And there's two aspects here, aren't there? There's the first of all, stumbling across it. And the second one is to take notice of and learn from and be pointed in the direction where you're going. I don't necessarily mean in a physical direction like rambling around, but in a direction in life. And so the inference words the Umbella Project came up for prepare were devote, enthuse, express, make ready, offer, provide for, and just ready. And But the thing you've got to remember when you're talking about this is that the change is in the macrocosm. It's not in the microcosm with this particular change. Therefore, it's not you that's enthused about the technique. It's not you that's devoted to the technique. It's not you necessarily that's even expressing the technique. It's not you be that's making ready for, for the technique. Be prepared for nature to prepare you. You don't have to be prepared. You just have to be empty. Uh, nature already. So, so this is the thing. It's it's an after the event thing. The micro in this particular change. So in some quite a lot of changes, the macrocosm and the microcosm do not experience the change at exactly the same moment necessarily. In this case, the change within the macrocosm has happened before the change within the microcosm. Does that make sense? And so yeah. the change has already happened when you experience its results. That's what this change is all about. And so if you go through those inference words, devote, this is a lot of nature's devotion to you as a teacher. Nature is very, when you get into shamanism and you start studying shamanic technique a lot, nature is very, very devote, is a very, very devoted teacher. Nature is constantly providing you with, you know, in terms of a work job, the job description for nature, nature is constantly going way beyond the call of duty in order to help you. Nature has a total devotion to helping you on your shamanic journey. Nature is very enthusiastic about that. Nature will never get sick of doing that. At least it hasn't happened in, was it, whatever people say, 13 billion years. It hasn't happened. but I know there's some new um, some new <laughs> developments in astronomy that are questioning the exact age of the universe. But bottom line is, however long it is, it's a very, very long time that nature has remained enthusiastic about teaching you as a shaman. And nature is expressing that by sticking these metaphorical guideposts all over the scenery, wherever you are. Nature is whacking these guideposts in the ground or in the sky or wherever for you to follow. Nature has made ready for your arrival, the preparation. So, for instance, if you talk about the episodes on the critical reading of Christian Rosenkreutz on the Heretics podcast, you know, they're all talking about the, the preparations for the wedding, the king and the queen. It's this alchemical symbolism. Nature, just as in the chemical wedding, has made ready for you. For you as an individual, Sharon, nature has made ready. So when you're going into that place, a lot of, you know, beginner shamans will go into a place thinking, what should I do now? What shamanic technique am I going to practice today? No, you're not the teacher. 
Your teacher has already decided what you're going to be practicing today. All you have to do is read the guidepost that nature has liberally scattered all over the place for you everywhere. This is the whole point of this prepare, this idea of prepare. Um, offer. You know, in, in a lot of religions or in spiritual traditions, uh, so for instance in Shinto, people make offerings at Shinto shrine, you know, some rice cakes or something like that. And in, in a simplistic sense, in an exoteric sense, people are thinking, here's the offering to the deity, and the, the deity might enjoy the, that's enshrined in the shrine, the deity might enjoy the rice cakes and then make me, make, make me grant my wish or something like that. That's an exoteric way to understand it. But in different ways, how did I get the rice cakes? You know, the, the rice cakes, are, I had to grow the rice around my father, farm, and then I put the effort into making them uh, and all this kind of stuff. And in a way, there's my devotion to my uh, my spiritual path, and then I offer part of that devotion to my spiritual path because it's gratitude, because it's saying thank you, because the devotion shown the other way is absolutely immense. You couldn't possibly give enough offer. <laughs> just imagine this enormous pile of gold or something, or I don't know what, you know, just huge pirate, pirate treasure, an offering that is worthy of the devotion that nature has shown to you as a shaman and continues to show to you as a shaman unendingly, ceaselessly for all time, that's what those, in a shamanic sense, that's what those offerings are about. You know, you put your rice cakes on the shrine. The shrine often, in a, on a Japanese shrine, for instance, often has a convex mirror on the shrine. And, you know, this is the old, old school Genpan Sogen Yutsu Shinto, the, the Shinto of the original source, which is effectively shamanism. I'm not talking about World War II state Shinto. Nothing to do with that. That's nonsense. Um, we're talking about the original shamanic Shinto. The reason it's a convex mirror is what does a convex mirror reflect? It reflects everything from all different directions. It reflects the whole of nature. And so the offering is not made to the, the god in the shrine. The offering is made to the entirety of nature, of whom the god in the shrine or associated with the shrine is a human conceptualization of a particular aspect of nature. Uh, but the the devotion is a two way street, and if you get into that kind of devotion of nature, you know, it's kind of they call it the gratitude attitude, right? For nature, uh, if you get into that kind of thing, you will never give back the devotion, no matter what you do. The nature has taught you to you do your best, and through that process, you will learn quite a lot. Another one is provide for your shamanic jaunts, your shamanic trips are already provided for. So go ahead. How am I going to go and do shamanism? Well, the only thing you've got to do, this is what the advice we give really on, right, is just get away from people. Get away from built-up areas. Get away from civilization. It doesn't mean you can't do shamanic technique in the middle of London. As we said, we've given examples. You absolutely can. But you get out onto Bodmin Moor or Dartmoor or any of these other wonderful places in the UK where you can get away from people. Um, because they're big areas. That's how. It's not that there's not people up there. You can get away from people if you go off the beaten track, which is what shamans tend to do. And then you will be provided for. And it's not like you, nature will provide for you at that point in time. Nature's already prepared for your arrival. Long ago. Who knows long, long ago? Thousands of years ago. Um, it's been prepared for you and it's ready for you to practice your shamanic technique. And ready was the the final um, inference word that the Armabella project, if you want to call it that, uh, came up with for this particular um, thing. 
So another thing to say, the 21 or the two-in-one, the Ahoyi of Tatsu Totsu of this particular change in the book of changes is known as Accumulate. And that's obviously what we're going to be doing on the next one. But before we do that, what we should really be doing is um, we should be uh, talking about some of the changes that fall out of this particular change. So I'm not. I'm just going to run through them quite briefly because obviously we're going to do episodes on them. Uh, we have already done one of them, which is yield. Um, actually, two of them because grow also falls. Just as persist can fall out of, uh, sorry, prepare can fall out of grow. Grow obviously can also fall out of persist. So we've we've done two of these changes already. So I won't dwell on them. I refer you back to those episodes. But one that's really cool. And it's not necessarily one that we should be doing early, but because it's such a cool change, we will be doing early. That's shock, um, which is like, uh, oh, it's just such a good thing. And, and tai, experienced Tai Chi practitioners will know an awful lot about shock uh, because it is one of the certain in, in Tai Chi. It is one of the, the principles, actually, of, of, of Tai Chi. Um, and then another one that falls out of it quite commonly is release which is like, release is also like liberation. So you can immediately see how that happens. You know, all this preparation that nature's done for you, you experience it, you follow those guideposts, and that will, you have to trust this in shamanism, through that, nature will liberate you. Taske, as they say in Japanese shamanism. Now that was a, a word that, that Miki used all the time, taske. Nature is there. Putting these guideposts in a reason is putting the guideposts in in order to show you a path to follow, the trustworthy path, the honmichi, as you called it, the trustworthy natural path that you can follow and it will liberate you from the miasma. If you just follow it, I'll set you free. This is this is the whole release thing. We'll, we'll have a fun one on that as well. Obviously, it includes adaptability, this, this whole idea of learning from nature. You have to be able to adapt. This. So obviously, just as with my story with the bog, and you know, I can climb up the tree, or I can find the climb out of the, the density climb out of the bog, or I can find some other way out. That kind of immediate flexibility and adaptation, obviously, that's something that falls out of the fact that I am being prepared. I have been prepared for by nature. My arrival has been prepared for. And then another one that is, is yield, already talked about it at length. It's the second one that we did in this series. Uh, and then another one is a mass, uh, which is a, a longer term thing. It's about gathering together all of these little experiences that you've had of following those guideposts, aggregating them, assembling them, pulling them together into a, 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 a shamanic you that exists from the beginning to the end and not at any given point in time. From the, as the, you know, the Bible calls it the Alpha and the Omega. It's that broader aggregate picture of your shamanic dance. If you want to think of your life as a beautiful dance of energy changing, ever-changing energy patterns that go on within the universe, then that aggregate, that whole thing taking as one thing, not as a thing that you progress through like a project plan, but rather as a holistic thing that all aspects of it are there at all points in time, aspects of the future and aspects of the past, all here aggregated together in the here and now, assembled, a kind of congress of energy uh, a timeless congress of energy. That's that's a mass. We'll have another. We'll have fun with that when we do that one as well. And then ju we just recently did grow. That's another change that falls out of this very. Uh, I think it was the last one of these changes that we did. Um, so there, those are the most likely changes to fall out of this stuff uh, that 
Everything's like, so know, connected, isn't it? Interconnectedness is what this is all about. It's what, you know, this level four stuff, it's all about, you know, you 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 go through a process in becoming a shaman. Level four is, <clears throat> so level three is about learning the technique, right? It's about bringing yourself to a place where you can experience these energy changes. You you need that skill, which is, you know, that's what the AMSCA, the level two is about. And, and the absolute foundation is the chillicity, right? Without those things, you can't even attempt this stuff. You can't even engage in this stuff. But once they're in place, this is where your direction. Remember we said all shamanic technique is directed, didn't we? Early on, we said that. That mm. it, it, it's different from just animism. All shamanic technique has a purpose, but that purpose doesn't necessarily have to come from you. Nature has prepared a lot of purpose for you in your life. All you've got to do is go out and metaphorically, you don't have to actually leave the house to do a lot of this stuff, but you know, metaphorically, or you're the physically in reality, go out and find those guideposts that nature has stuck in the scenery for you to find, pre-prepared. Uh, go and find them and follow them and you will grow. You know, you will flourish, as we said. You'll increase, you'll prosper, you'll rise. And, you know, this is, as we said, shamanism is not about, you know, I always cringe when I hear what are the benefits of shamanism? You know, it's like what are the benefits of, I don't know, you know, Pilates or something. No, you know, people who ask those sort of questions are like, you know, you need the shamanism 101. This is get back to episode one. Start again. If you think that's what it's about. But it will be a treasure in your life. I can tell you that. It'll be something that you find so precious, uh, so uh, wonderful, so amazing, the experience, especially that amassed experience of it. We're talking about the amassed change. Uh, it will be a real treasure to you and uh, so wonderful uh, in in everything that you do. Uh, and in in a way, sadly, because this is not the purpose, it will make you happy, as it has done with me. Uh, it will bring a kind of joy. But, you know, my teacher, uh, Kao Sensei, he called it yoki, uh, which means like yours, like yang, is like positive, and ki is like spirit or energy. But in English dictionaries, you often translate yoki as joy. So it is a kind of joy, but it's a... It's a highly energetic type of very positive, buzzing joy that you get out of following those guideposts that nature's stuck in the scenery for you. Uh, and it's a long-term kind of joy. Uh, Miki called it um, Yoki Yusan. Yeah, so she said that the kind of positive energy that comes from playing, you means play, Yoki is the positive energy, you in the mountains, sand. So you imagine a child, a small child running through the mountains Chasing butterflies without a care in the world, with complete chelicity. Oh, there's a pretty butterfly. Let's chase it. You know, there's no committee meeting deciding to chase the butterfly. It just happens. And that mm -hmm. happening, the chat, the butterfly coming into the child's attention is is the nature has put the butterfly there so that the child can be joyous, so the child can experience that enlivenment that comes through that kind of um uh un uh, un, uh, engaging with nature in a way where you don't have expectations of the outcome without desire for what's coming next, just hanging in the moment. That's the that's the idea behind this change, this wonderful, wonderful change you're preparing. It's, 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 it's interesting listening to you, and I, I am struck by something that I want to put to you, as in a, a 
I mean, analogy from from my world with music. Um, I'm not sure how it relates, but I'm just going to throw it at you and see if you've got any comments. So, like, if you if you want to write music, say, let's say I want to sit down at the piano and I just want to write some music. Sometimes you just have to show up. You have to sit down at the piano and you have to sort of start the the process somehow. You know, and and it's like it's like uh, pushing a big boulder down a hill. It's like you you've got to put that energy in to start with. You've got to show up and do that, and then once you start doing it and you might have a few pre-ideas and you just start playing around and then the ball starts to gather momentum and, and soon it's almost like you lose control and you flow and flow yeah it's like just other things show up like music like you start playing things and, and yeah. creating things that you you are completely in the moment with and it's almost right. like they're just there in the ether and you just so, sort of pulling them together exactly. and finding and them. So in in Japanese, it's called nagare, and basically, you, you, what you, also another thing that Shamanes Miki said about this stuff is that to reach the honmichi, the path of nature, you have to go through a very narrow path. It's like turning the ignition on in the car, I guess, but it's a bit more difficult than that. With shamanism, I'm afraid that you know, it's like turning mm. the ignition on when the car's not actually working. It's more like that, you know. Mm. Um, and and so you have. She said you have to go through a narrow path. In fact, she said you have to pass through flaming swords and stuff like that. It's an analogy, you know. This is a yeah. difficult narrow path, but if you stick to the path, you follow the guideposts that nature is giving you, you'll eventually come to a broad, trustworthy main path. And, and she called it deliberately the Hon Michi, the natural Michi's math. And Hon's like nature or origin, the original path, the, the original path from which the whole universe was built from the from the start. Um, you'll eventually come through that narrow path to that broad, trustworthy path. And uh, that's exactly what you're talking about. Uh, you have to make effort to be a shamanism, to be a shaman, to become a shaman, you have to make an effort. And it's not easy. And it can take years, years and years and years. But the great thing is, through this preparation that nature's done to you, as done for you, as long as you get level one right, as long as you get the chalicity right, there will be progress. However slow, there will always be progress as long as you can get your level one right, as long as you can get that state of chalicity. You no matter what you do from that point onwards, nature's guideposts, which to a certain extent, even if you're just practicing your level two Yamska stuff you will still be gaining benefit no matter what you do as long as you're in that state of chalicity. Because how could you not? Nature has stuck guideposts all over the countryside, all over the scenery, uh, throughout your entire existence, millions of them, billions of them. And some of them, even if you're a beginner shaman and you're not picking up on much, you know your Amscot techniques are maybe not that great yet, some of them you will see and some of them you will still learn from. And there will always be progress. Shamanism is not like that sort of traditional, I'm not sure that Buddhism is either, but that traditional idea of the Buddha sat meditating under the Bodhi tree, and then all of a sudden he has this sudden enlightenment. Shamanism is nothing like that. Anything, any sudden revelation that you have in shamanism, it, it, if it wasn't gradual and gained over a long period of time of hard work, it's probably your imagination, 99 times out of 100, so just forget about it. <laughs> That's Uncle Damon's advice. <laughs> so depressing, Damon. <laughs> that's not depressing. It's totally positive. No, you know what I mean. <laughs> because that's one less thing to worry about, right? It's one yep. less thing to worry about. Yeah. So, um, 
I think that's about it for this change. Anything else you want to go over before we call it a day, mate? No, that's fine. Um, what's the plan for the next? Uh, so the one that we're going to explore next is what? Which one? So so it's called Accumulate. And we Accumulate. will describe that's the, one. That's on the, the two in one. one, isn't it? That's the two in one, yeah. So we don't really have a choice. We're doing them, we will do all of them in two and one pairs. Um, yeah, and excellent. so the next one, we've do, we've set the precedent now. Um, but it's the one after that that I don't know yet. I haven't decided. Let's let nature decide. Yeah. I think uh, as well, it'd be really cool to go back to uh, Chelicity and do a series on Chelicity at some point. So we've I know done we've two. already done one. Uh, so this will be series <laughs> three. So important, but you're right. Every time, you're right. Every time I ask you about Chelicity, you always describe it and come up with different ways of, of approaching it in different yeah. ways. So I think it's I think it's useful. You're but dead right, know, we'll, mate. We'll you can that. never we'll think about it. You could be the most. You could be Nakayama Miki herself, right? You could be one of these great, sharp, powerful shamans. You still need to practice your jealousy. <laughs> well, mm. how advanced you actually are, or think you are, you can't do much too much jealousy practice in your life. That's for sure. Well, you can start with episodes seven, eight, and nine on our Woven Energy podcast, and then we have scattered a few bits and pieces on jealousy in and amongst the podcast since. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it all starts at seven, eight, and nine. I think we did we did physical chelicity as well at some point in time as well, didn't we? Um, I can't remember. So, yeah. Right. But yeah, you're right. Let's go back to it at some point in time. Do yet another series, yet another take on chelicity because it's so important. It's it's definitely worth doing. Yeah, hundred percent. Okay, well, thanks ever so much for listening. Um, you can support us on Patreon.com/slash Woven Energy. Um, you can go to WovenEnergy.com some bits and pieces over there although the site is a work in progress I think right now Um, but thanks as always for the support hope you enjoyed this one and we will see you in the next one thanks very much guys 